Father, you are so beautiful. You are so majestic. We worship you with everything that's in us. Even in the times when we don't feel like worshiping, that's when we need to do it the most. God, you are always worthy. There's never a time when you're not worthy, Father. Just praise your name, Father God. Amen. All right, guys. You can go ahead and sit. I know this is awkward because just when you feel like the pump was getting primed, um, and now we're, we're going to switch gears, but we're actually not going to step out of the flow. You know, worship, worship is, who, is what we get to do. It's, it's who we are. We are worshipers of Jesus. We're not just, not just believers. Yeah, we started by believing, but we moved from just being believers to being fully surrendered, yielded lovers of God, lovers of Jesus. And this is the best place for each one of us to ever be in. The place, the attitude, the heart of continual worship, unceasing worship. You know, Paul uh, encouraged us in the scriptures to pray without ceasing. That might seem impossible if you picture yourself praying only when you're in a room on your knees. But we get to engage God in a lifestyle of communion. We get to talk with him, as the old song says, he walks with me and talks with me. I never sang it, but Tammy probably did. And uh, old Assembly of God girl. And, uh, but that's the reality. Jesus did not save us into a religion. He did not save us to be trapped in a system of well, I do my religious duty by attending church on Sunday morning and I show up and I do my deed. You know, that is my service. Well, that's part of it, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. I had this uh, quote in my, my brain this morning. If you know who Keith Green is, um, the old Keith Green music, he said on one of the, the CDs, you know, Going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. <laughs> and it's true. We go to church or we go to a building. This is just a building. It's not even a church. This is the Boys and Girls Club. It's the teen center. All kinds of stuff happens in this place that has nothing to do with God. It's just what this place is. It's just a building with walls. But we are the church. So when we come together, we are having church because together, like living stones, God builds us together into this holy dwelling where he can come by his spirit and just release his grace and his blessing. You know, there's almost a picture when we come together in worship of, well, I like the scripture that says he is enthroned on our praises. He, he comes and inhabits the praises of his people. It's almost as if we come together and as a corporate gathering, we create this big throne for him. And he just comes and releases a deposit from heaven. See, he wants to give us something from his kingdom so that we could bring it into that kingdom here. From heaven into earth, like Jesus told us to pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. Something amazing is happening right now in heaven. What do you think? I mean, I'm not asking to answer this because I don't really know exactly what's going on. I mean, I know what some scriptures are going to tell us, but what is going on in heaven right now? I think it's ecstatically, amazingly enough to just knock you out of your body for eternity. <laughs> One look at him, as John the disciple had happened in the book of Revelation. One glance at the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and you will f I'm slap this thing and knock my computer off. You will fall on your face as though dead. You will faint. 
Great and terrible is the word sometimes used in some scriptures, some trips, some scriptures, trippy scriptures. The great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, it's not terrible because of what God is going to do necessarily. It's, it's terrible because people see him for all of his glory and for who he is. And they fall on their faces and they beg for the rocks to cover them. Our God is amazing. He is worthy to be feared. Now, we don't get a walk in a relationship with him that's fear-based because he adopted you and adopted me into his family. And he says to you, daughter. He says to you, Diana, my little girl. And I could go through the room and name every person in here, but that is what he says about you, Shauna. You are his precious flower. You are his little girl. And he will always, just like I will always see my daughters in this room, all of you, you're all daughters, but my daughters, they will always be my little girl. And this woman right here will always be her little girl. Right, Mom? That's right. And your father God has revealed himself to us through the word that he is a father. Before anything else, he is a father. And he sees lost sons and daughters and found sons and daughters. Are you found? I hope so. All right. So, he's not ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother and sister. You are his, his family. We are a part of God's family. And yes, we will see him. And I have a feeling that when we see him face to face and we recognize how great and awesome and maybe even terrible it might be to stand face to face with him, not in a bad way, but because of his glory and awesomeness, he is the Lion of Judah. And I'm going to read a scripture here that is going to give us a glimpse of just what he looks like now that might cause you to think, wow, if I actually saw him like that, I might... I might tear up. I might pass out. God is, he's, he's glorious. He's amazing. He's the creator. We have yet to see him, but he's given us little glimpses of who he is. So we opened with uh, Romans 12. And if I don't get rambling here, then we won't have time for worship, and that's not going to happen. So actually, I'll have to snip out a bunch of stuff. Slide number six, Isabel. Let's just get into the word of God. We'll, we'll navigate the scriptures. Slide number six. Oh, okay. Well, you were looking and there was nothing, so I didn't know if you couldn't find it. Okay. Yes, I'm, in the, I'm tracking in the right place. Sorry, that was the one we did earlier, all right, oh, didn't we? We opened with that, sorry. Let's move on to the next one. Slide number eight. Okay, here we go. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, and Revelation 5.10 gives us a little bit of a, of a clue on yours and my identity. Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his blood. He has freed us from our own sins by his own blood. And to the one who has made us to rule as a kingly priesthood to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. And then chapter 5, verse 10 says, You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Go ahead and leave that up there, Bell, and we're just going to sit on that. What I want to do is I'm going to read some of Revelation chapter 5. And I'm going to tell you about the encounter I had this week in my car as I read this. I don't know if I can convey it in the way God showed up and moved on me. But I want to read this to you guys. And it is from the Passion Translation. It's not a whole lot different than uh, the ESV or NIV. In fact, if I, if I could encourage you, you don't have to do this. But I would encourage you, close your eyes as I read this. And allow God to just give you the pictures of these words. Let him illuminate your understanding with, with your imagination. It's okay. I think it's safe. You know, when you have a, a sanctified imagination, that is often the place where God will show you things. He'll give you 
uh, scriptures will come to mind. You'll have a picture of somebody. So go ahead and close your eyes if you want. It's not a, I'm not asking you to do it, you know, or leave. So <laughs> that would be weird. Revelation chapter 5. And I saw that the one seated on the throne was holding in his right hand an unopened scroll with writing on the inside and on the outside, and it was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw an incredibly powerful angel proclaiming with a great loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seven seals? But no person could be found, living or dead, in all creation. No one was worthy to open the scroll and read its contents. So I broke down weeping with intense sorrow because there was no one, no, there was found no one worthy to break open the scroll and read its contents. Then one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has conquered He is the worthy one who can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a young lamb standing in the middle of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. He appeared to have been slaughtered, but now was alive. He had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the ends of the earth. I saw the young lamb approach the throne and receive the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat there. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb had taken the scroll, they fell face down at the feet of the lamb. and They worshipped him. Each one of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet fragrant incense, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God. Out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, you have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voices of myriads of angels in circles around the throne, as well as the voices of the living creatures and the elders, myriads and myriads. And as I watched, all of them were singing with thunderous voices, Worthy is Christ the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive great power and might and wealth and wisdom and honor and glory and praise. Then every living creature, every living being joined the angelic choir. Every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea, everything in them were worshiping with one voice saying, praise, honor, glory, and dominion be to God enthroned and to Christ the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures responded, amen. And the 24 elders threw themselves face down to the ground and worshiped. Right now in heaven, right at this very moment, the Lamb of God is seated on his throne. And he is surrounded by 24 elders. He is surrounded by living creatures that are beyond our comprehension. He is surrounded by myriads and myriads of angelic hosts worshiping him because he is worthy to receive all honor and glory and power forever. It tells us that the Lamb of God, this, this Lamb that was slain, has seven horns on his head. Now that is a, a weird picture, and you might be a little bit kind of uncomfortable imagining God right now appearing as a Lamb with seven horns. 
And I love the notes at, for the Passion Translation. And he said that seven is the number of perfect completion and horns are a symbol of power and authority. In other words, all power and authority belongs to the Lamb of God. All power and authority belongs to our God, Jesus. He is on the throne. And the seven eyes, yeah, that's weird. Okay, if I saw him right now and that's what he looked like, I would probably cry and go hide. I don't know. And he'd have to come over and lift me up and say, it's okay. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I don't know if he changes his appearance or what. I don't know. It's a spiritual vision that John is describing here. But the seven eyes, it says, are the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit of God sent into the earth. Jesus, right at this moment, is looking at us from his throne in heaven. The one with all power and authority is looking down from his throne into the earth. And he wants to release his kingdom. Oh, you can't imagine how bad he wants to come and get his bride and be with us forever. So we could finally see the one that we sing to every week, every day, however often you sing praise to him. He wants to be with us. And he's with us now. And we welcome even more of him to come and break in on our thinking and on our lives, on our bodies, in our spirit. That he would come and crush every remnant of the dead man that remains, the, the sin nature that is crucified and dead with Christ, but tries to just resurrect itself on occasion. When I was in my car reading this and worshiping, I had a, a revelation of how now, how present this is. This is our God He's not just a page in a book of a fairy tale. This is him now. He is ruling and reigning. And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him because he has paid the price on the cross. He won the keys of death and Hades. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is worthy of our worship. And he has called you and me as sons and daughters. That's our identity. He's called us into our job, the priesthood. He's called every one of us to the, be a part of the priesthood of all believers. You are a minister of the Lord. You who minister by night in the house of the Lord. You get to go about his altar, just like the priests in the Old Testament. They got to go into the holy place and burn incense which is a picture of us offering up praise and prayer, giving him glory, just lifting up our voices to him, singing his songs and making declarations around his throne, around his altar. We are the New Testament priests. We don't have to go to a temple like they had to. You, didn't, you don't have to be born from the tribe of Levi to be part of the priesthood. Now through Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, we are all now priests and kings. We get to be ministers first to him. First to him. The longer we minister to him and, and just love on him, the more we get changed. That's why he set it up that way. He knew we would like music. And if you don't, you know, you probably won't like heaven. Just saying, if you don't like it loud, no, it'll sound good loud in heaven because, you know, everything will be perfect. We have been invited. God is inviting us to participate with the activity of heaven. When we worship here on earth, we are mirroring what is taking place in heaven. And heaven takes notice. Heaven is like here in this realm where all the angels are around the throne and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of his father and the Holy Spirit is being poured out from there onto the earth and into the sons and daughters and in, into the environment around us as we release his presence. As the scripture says, rivers of living water flow out of us everywhere we go. 
Heaven takes notice when we worship. He shows up. I can declare that with confidence. When we have a gathering at my house, the Holy Spirit always shows up. When we have a gathering in this place, the Holy Spirit always shows up because we believe and know that he wants to, that it's his will. And so we can be confident. You guys doing okay? I feel a little intense, but I'm just trying to move quickly here. We've been invited to, into the activity of heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as, as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. We are first believers, adopted sons and daughters. That's your identity. God is working in us to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. Our main work is to believe Jesus. The works of God are to believe the one he sent, Jesus said, to believe in him. That's our main job, to believe him and just to love him at his feet, to pour our worship at the feet of Jesus. As believers, we're called to a life of worship. The chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Those wonderful Westminster catechism people, whoever they were, I don't even know who they are, but I like the quote. The chief aim of man and woman is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you're not enjoying him, you might need to change your thinking about who he is and what he's like because he is really that good and he is really that enjoyable. He wants us to come into his presence as his sons and daughters and sit, sit on the lap of our father or fall at the feet of Jesus, however it looks. You know, we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And not one of them is fighting for the attention, okay? You can thank the Father and say, I love you, Daddy God. You can say, Jesus, I love you for the cross. I love you that you rescued me. You can say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come and invade my life. You are God. Don't, don't get tripped up on the triuneness of our God. One God, three persons, Blessed Trinity. Smith's helped us out last week with John chapter 4. Let's pop that up real quick, Isabel, the next one. Um, the woman at the well, she was arguing with him, or not really arguing, but she wanted to try to maybe turn the conversation away from her personal business, you know, because he was like, I'm a prophet, and I know what's going on in your life. She's like, you know, our fathers say we should worship here and you Jews worship there. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. I'm going to tell you the truth. The hour is coming and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for us to be, be worshipers. I want to just, as a side note, encourage you guys, if you're music people, I love music, as my kids and my wife know, and I used to be more liberal with taking heavy doses of Pink Floyd and other cool rock bands and, you know, psychedelic trance music and stuff you know but it was electronic it had a cool sound to it there was no words most of the time I felt you know there's freedom you have you have freedom but don't use your freedom as a license to sin don't use grace as a license to sin you know everything is permissible Paul said but not everything is beneficial okay so I was delving into music and feasting on music and I felt God challenge me because it was affecting my attitude I felt him challenge me to just lay my music on the altar for a while and just sacrifice to me, he was saying, with worship. Just put worship on nonstop and see what I will do. I promise you guys, I am not lying. From that day on, I have had so many encounters with the presence of God. Yeah, even in my early walk, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. In my, in, I received the baptism of the Spirit in my living room when I was by myself worshiping, singing a Petra song. And you kids are like, Petra? But it's just old 80s Christian rock. Not that good either, but I mean, maybe I thought it was. 
The reality is he loves to show up in your singing. He loves to come and just be with you when you're delighting yourself in him. And worship is a gift. It doesn't have to be music even. When we were given the word to plant this church, and I first off right away said, well, we don't have a worship team though, because I love worship. And that woman that prophesied to us to go plant that church, she's like, you can bring the presence, just a handful of people in a room, you can bring the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to depend on music. You can bring the Holy Spirit into the room. He's already there. It's more you're bringing him into your understanding and and awareness. But you can be in the shower and just begin to thank him. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. We get a lavish worship on him because he is good. I better rush. No, we're doing okay, actually. But I, I should move quicker. You guys doing okay? I'll check in again. Okay. So, yeah, the woman at the well. Okay, so not, the Father is calling us to be his worshipers. He's seeking, he's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's not because he needs it. He doesn't lack esteem. He doesn't need us to remind him of who he is. He didn't forget, oh, I'm God, that's right. Thanks for telling me. Rather, it transforms us and it shifts the atmosphere around us. I remember working at Harrison Hospital when I was in my mid-20s and I had worship music blasting in the recovery room because there were no people recovering. Surgeries were all done for the day. We were cleaning in the night shift. And I had that old Hosanna praise and worship, integrity worship music going. And it was just like, it was loud and it was, I was feeling good. I was just loving God and sweeping him up in those bloody floors. And I had a nurse come in and she's like, whoa, you can really feel the anointing in this room. Well, the truth is when you welcome the presence of God through your worship, through a, being a laid down lover of God, just you don't have to lay on the floor. But when you're just living a lifestyle, I'm just I'm laid down before you, God. I'm walking, delivering mail, but my heart is just laid down at your feet. I just need you. Need you so much. I can't be a dad, a good dad to my kids. I can't be a good husband to my wife if I'm not a laid down lover of Jesus. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Can't help it sometimes. (laughs) Now I sound like a Pentecostal preacher. (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) No, don't do that. You guys are going to make me feel funny now. Okay. (sighs) Okay. I can't be what I need to be in God's plan, if I'm not a worshiper, if I don't make room for him, I can't feast on Pink Floyd and think that I'm going to have good stuff flowing out of my life. Every time I've had prophetic words, most, most time I should say, not every time, most times I've had a, a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for someone in the workplace or on the street, I've been worshiping and walking And it doesn't require you to have earbuds in and sunglasses like the mailman, okay? You can just be in your car. You can just be praying in the spirit, pray in tongues. Pray under your breath. God, I love you. I praise you. You're so here with me. I I welcome you to come. Open my eyes to the treasures around me, the people that need you. Help me to see someone in the grocery store. Help me to see something in the neighbor that really annoys me that you see differently. Help me to see people from your perspective. Give me the eyes of Jesus. Like Jesus, I want to see what the Father sees. I want to hear what the Father's saying. I want to do what the Father is doing. So I can partner with heaven and get into that flow of heaven and be be a pipeline or a conduit for the presence of God to be released. Yes, you're a son and a daughter first. You're a minister to the Lord. You are a, a a priest, a minister, and you're also a prophet, just like Jesus. You, you may not wonder what I mean by saying prophet. That doesn't mean you've got the office of prophet, now you need to you know, prophesy things that everyone has to obey. You have the prophet, the chief prophet, the chief apostle living inside of you, Jesus Christ. You have the mind of Christ, the scripture tells us. You have access to the Father, 
All we need to do is, is take advantage of that access and spend time with him and hear what he's saying and walk out what he's doing. Now, that, that could be a whole message because that is just saying something that you're like, but how do you do that? What does that look like? Maybe another day someone else will preach it, right? Naira's like, Naira's like, I'll preach that one. Okay. We're going to be done in a second here, guys. Slides 10 and 11, Isabel. This is from Second Chronicles chapter 5, and I'll try not to cry because when I was typing it up, I was getting messed up this morning. But chapter 5, Second Chronicles 11 through 13, this is not the Passion Translation because he has not... Oh, go back. Yeah, that's the first part. So this is uh, probably the NIV or ESV, I'm not sure. So this is the priests in the Old Testament in the temple. The priests then withdrew from the holy place, and all the priests who were there had consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions. Pause. Pause for a second. Regardless of your division, regardless of where you're at in the body of Christ, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. Come to the Lord and say, I give you my heart. That is an act of worship. They consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, He-Man, <laughs> Jeduthun, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen, playing cymbals, harps and lyres. They were accompanied by a 120 priests sounding trumpets. Imagine how loud that was. The trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by the trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices to the Lord and sang, He is good. And his love endures forever. I won't sing it for you guys, but I'll declare it. And guess what happened? Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Wow. I want to be there. But we're here. Let's go on to the next verse, Isabel. Have you forgotten New Testament believers? Because this is a passage for the New Testament, for us who are in Christ. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You were God's expensive, oh man, that is rich, you were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. you got to get perspective right. If you want to be a worshiper who worships God in spirit and in truth, then you got to recognize, I am not my own. I have been purchased. The blood of Jesus that wiped out all my sins, didn't just take away my sins, now I belong to him. I am owned by God. Yes, I'm a son, he's my daddy, Jesus is my brother, Holy Spirit is in me, and for me, and not against me, but I am his. I am a servant of my God. I serve my dad. I'm laying my life down before him, daily. Now guys, this is a daily thing. We will mess up. I'm not encouraging you to do that, but you're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. But we got to get back up every time we mess up and stand in who we are. When we act like a ding-dong, that doesn't mean you're a ding-dong. Okay? You might be acting like a boogerhead, but that doesn't mean you're a boogerhead. You are a son or a daughter. The, the deed is in deed. 
It's written in blood. It is paid for. Your adoption papers are sealed, and you can forget the fact that you were even adopted. Just walk as a son or a daughter. Walk in the reality that you are a vessel, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Two scriptures, and we're going to worship. So, the Old Testament tells us in Psalms chapter 68, and I have it in two different versions here because I love the way it's interpreted both ways. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, cast up a highway for him that rides, I won't say it like that. Well, okay, I better be correct here. Rideth, cast up a highway for him that rideth through the deserts. His name is Jehovah, and exult ye before him. Now, I don't have to speak King James, but the fact is, sing to God. Lift up your voices to him. Cast up a highway for him who rides through the clouds or rides through the desert. And I, don't, I have to study this one because I don't know why some versions interpret it as desert and others say clouds. But in the NIV and a lot of other translations, it says, sing to God. Sing in praise of his name, extol, and that word extol is where they get the cast up, cast up this highway, make a way wide open through your worship, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. And again, when you see all caps, L-O-R-D, that's just Jehovah or Yahweh, that's how they interpret it, teaching for another time if you haven't already figured that one out. Most of us probably have. And finally, why don't we stand up, guys? Yeah, hang on a second, though. We're going to do that, too. Um, one more scripture, Isabel? Did you already go out of it? Okay. Psalm 22.3. And we're going to be singing this in one or two of the songs. Yet, you are holy, Okay, I'll say it that way. I'm just going to mess myself up if I don't. Yet thou art holy, O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. But you are holy, O you that inhabit the praises of Israel. He is the one that inhabits. He is enthroned on our praises, on our worship. Another day, another time, I have all of the Hebrew words that are translated as praise or thanks, and they all have so much meaning to them. Sometimes it's clapping. Sometimes it's reaching up like a child reaching to their dad. Sometimes it's just stretching out your hands with thanks. Sometimes it's a twirl or a dance. It said a violent, a violent twirl. <laughs> it can be violent. It can be aggressive, you know. The kingdom is advanced through violence, and the violent take it by force. I have not yet studied that scripture, but I need to. I don't think God means that we're supposed to be in a weird way towards him, but we just need to be aggressive here on earth to enforce, to enforce his kingdom. So we're getting ready to worship, and what we want to do, if we want to get some of the guys to remove the first two rows, we have uh, cups down here too, but... Um, Oscar, you're going to want to hop up, little buddy. And uh, we will continue recording. We will continue recording, Isabel, after the worship. So just you, you paused it. Okay. I want to invite you guys this morning. We're going to just kind of pretend this is a fancy church building. And if you want... Your parents' kitchen. And you can just hit the refrigerator without asking. And kind of take what you need. And when mom or yaya, your grandma's cooking cookies, you just walk in and you grab one or two. Because you know that they love you. And they want to give you the desires of your heart when it lines up with the desires of their heart. And God wants us to understand that as our Heavenly Father... His heart is for us. And he says, when you diligently seek me and praise my name, I'm a rewarder to you. He wants to reward to you what the desires of your heart are. 
when they line up with his perfect will. And so all that we've sang about is God calling us closer and closer. He's saying, come into my kitchen and come and take a cookie. Only his cookie is going to be, you know what? Don't eat that. Let me give you this spirit of courage and give me that old stale cookie of fear. You know what? You're cold and you're thirsty. Lay that down. Let me give you hot, new, fresh fire right off my throne. You think that you're quiet and you have no voice? Always said, ah, throw that in the garbage because you know what I got for you? The roar of a lion from my tribe of Judah. And he says, I declare that on each and every one of you. He said, I know there are seasons. There are seasons in life. And I found it interesting that today Naira and I looked at each other and said, so what's he saying to you that we put up for a visual? Because Jesus always talked in picture form. And so we, we both just looked at each other and said, well, this is it. And in the natural eye, what do you see? A lighthouse. What else do you see? What's that, Deb? Standing on a firm foundation. And doesn't that look like some choppy sea coming in? And the lights are on. Somebody is... He wants you to know that in the spiritual realm, he is the lighthouse. He is on solid foundation. You and I aren't the lighthouse. We are in the lighthouse. He is our 24-7 protection. And the light coming out is his glory that fills in the lighthouse. It fills you and it fills me. That's why we look different walking down aisle three at Fred Myers. People look at us like, how come you smile and look so cute? And you look at their face and you know that they haven't yet got the grasp of who Christ is and how great his reward is to us. Those storms used to scare the bejeebers out of me. And now I just say, not my issue. Because I'm going to go inside where Pops is. And I'm going to say, Daddy, I just want to sit on your lap. And I want to eat your holy chocolate chip cookies. And I'm just going to stay here and snuggle with you. Because you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And I don't know how to get any closer to you than knowing that I can intimately come sit on your lap and snuggle and be your adorable little 72-year-old daughter. Do you know what I'm saying? I sin. I know you do too. That's not the issue. That's not it. That's just part of the seaweed floating around out there. The truth is, no matter what's going on, you're never alone. You're never lost. There's no storm so big that you're going to drown. And for the most part, if we stay with him, in him, we don't even get wet. We stand back and with spiritual eyes, we see him on our behalf, breaking off the old sins renewing our minds, being filled with every good reward he's given us. You know, if somebody walks up to you and says, I feel like I'm supposed to give you this $5, if you get all in the flesh and go, oh, no, now you've robbed that person of their blessing, their reward, because the Lord is working something out. may not be anything about you and the $5. It may be that they need to learn how to just give and be blessed. Do you hear what I'm saying? God works in mysterious ways. And we have a story of one of those mysterious ways. Yeah, come on, Chris. Tell us how God is a rewarder. You had an experience with God when you were in surgery, right? So I had no idea I was going to be speaking today. 
I kind of figured that I was going to be sitting in the back and, you know, nobody's going to see me or hear me and, you know, I'd be able to get out of here. Well, I realized today that the pastor does go to the back, so that doesn't really work too well. So, you know, I don't know uh, how many of you guys really know me, but, you know, I've been fighting kidney stones for six years. Some of them have been pretty big. Last one that I had was a couple of months ago, and it was eight millimeters. So for you young guys that have never had one, that's like kind of giving birth. You know, it sucks. You don't want to do it once, and you certainly don't want to do it twice, and you don't know how women get through it twice. Um, so about three to four years ago, I uh, had a kidney stone. It was, it was one of my first big ones. Doctor looked at me and says, you're not going to pass this. I said, uh, oh boy, uh, what, what, what are we going to do? He says, well, what we're going to do is we're going to either uh, go up there and we're going to shoot it out with a laser. I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. Or uh, we're going to put you underneath a machine that's so loud that they're going to blast it out with sound waves. I'm like, yeah, okay, so you guys are going to hit a rock inside my body and blast it out with sound waves. What's that going to do to my kidney? He says, oh, don't worry about it. We've done it before. Talk about being a lab rat, right? So anyway, uh, you know, they get me on the table, and I'm kind of freaking out. You know, i got to trust a guy that I've never met before with a procedure that I've never been through before. Sounds great. So um, they go in there with this sound wave machine, and they blast the kidney out. They put me to sleep. You know, they tell me, they say, count backwards from 10 to 1. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm 300 pounds, 6 foot 6. This guy doesn't know me. I'm going to be able to count all the way down to 1. I got from 10 to 9, and I was out pretty good. Now, uh, part of the, the point of the story that, uh, that I think Marilyn wants me to talk about was the fact that, you know, I woke up. And uh, when I woke up, I found myself uh, on a hill. You know, green grass was the first thing that I, that I picked out. You know, and any of you guys that, that do yard care know that, you know, weeds are a pain in the butt to get off your property and uh, grass never really looks all that green you know well when I first woke up I noticed that every piece of grass on this hill was a hundred percent the best way it could be you know second thing that I noticed is that it was sunny but it wasn't warm when I lifted my eyes I saw two women standing in front of me with their backs towards me they started walking First thing I realized about these women is that they're beautiful, more beautiful than anything that I'd ever seen on this planet. And when they started walking, I noticed that while their bodies looked like they were walking, it looked like they were bearing no weight. And, um, you know, it was a small experience, but the last thing I noticed before I woke up is that there was a voice that told me, that came up over everything, that said, everything in life is going to be okay that we are planning everything in life for you, that you will have hardships and you will have uh, bad experiences, but that you will make it through it and that there is a spot for you in heaven as long as you believe. So that's it. And that's God's message to you and to me that he's always there, whether it's a kidney stone, whether it's having zero in your bank account, whether it's getting your car repossessed or being sick or whatever it is, God is still there. And he wants you to be able to move when it says thy will, that's his, be done, so that's doing, here on earth as it is in heaven. So we have to train our eyes to see in a spiritual realm, not get stuck in the physical realm. If Chris hadn't maybe had the, the ability to flick between the two under that anesthesia, he would have missed an encounter with God. He said the more, most beautiful women going but the beauty of it was that they bore no weight. They were not walking on ground is what that means. So those were holy encounters. 
And I'm sure, like me, there are others here who can tell you story after story. We all start, we usually, most of us come to Christ because we're in the middle of a storm. We have got no clue, no clue that Jesus is there for all of it. And then some of us get saved, but we're still packing around all those old memories and the pain and the shame and the, yeah, well, you look really cute, Marilyn. You know, well, let me tell you, I, I clean up well because he's the master cleaner. He's the master cleaner. When I got saved, I didn't look anything like this. My face was so distorted and so wounded and smile, bite me, I don't think so. I had nothing to smile about. And now I can't get the grin off my face because of the one who loves me. Very last line in Psalm says, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, not for your circumstances. When I get sick, I don't go, yay, God, thank you, I'm sick. That's not his will. But I say, in the midst of this illness, I'm still going to praise you. Not only am I going to get healed someday, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I can't get near that. I'm going to learn more about life with him and his refuge for me. And when this illness leaves, you know what? I got another story to tell you about my God. Everything in life has a purpose. If we will stop looking in the natural, stop feeling in the flesh. I did my seasons. There's seasons in life, and I took a big chunk out of poor me season. Oh, goodness. I became the queen of that little ugly thing. It's to let go and see him and learn and grow. To just surrender yourself and say, Lord, I give you a willing heart and a teachable spirit. Have your way with me. That used to scare me to death until I realized he is such a gentleman. He will never say, I know you're afraid of heights and push me off a 300-foot cliff. That's not how our God works. Our God is loving, gentle, kind, gracious. He says, come on, come to me, every one of you. I know what your past is. It doesn't change my love for you. It doesn't cut you out of my will. Every reward, every piece of inheritance I've given to everybody else, it's yours too. The question is, are you going to come and get it? Are you going to let him take the shame from you? You got to give it to him. Are you going to let him take that little, still little demonic little cursings? I think I cussed more this week than I have in the last two years. And when I was finally done, I went, well, that wasn't very cute, was it? He said, eh, necessary evil. And he blew it off. I said, forgive me, Lord. He said, forgiven. Done. Done. Do you know what I'm saying? So if you're hanging on to some old barnacle from the storms of life, if you've been in the boat and you're kind of seasick, let's stop the seasickness. If you got illness, let's break it off. Let's pray. You may not get healed today. And that's not because I don't have enough faith or you don't have enough faith. And so now don't come back next week because, woo, you didn't get healed. No, no. I got saved January 24th, 1980, and I still got some sickness to get healed of. So get up here and get the prayers. If you just need somebody to hold you and let you cry, oh, my gosh, get up here. This, this goes in the washer. I'm good with it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because, listen, Jesus died. He didn't just go to the grocery store and write a check and bring home the goods. He died to give it to you. Now, before I simply said, yeah, what if she wants to give you five bucks? He didn't say, I'm going to give you five bucks. He said, I'm going to give you life and give it to you more abundantly by his death 
his death. So come and reap the rewards of what he has for you. If you need healing, come up. If you want to just talk, come up. If you want to ask a question and get a response, come up. You got some old barnacle you want us to break off? Well, break it off. And I may turn around to you and say, okay, now I got this one. Break it off of me. Okay? If you want prayer, go ahead and come up. And I'm going to ask some people who want to pray or you feel ready to blast. uh, Just come up here and line up. And I'd like Amy to share something, just a breakthrough in prayer to encourage us in our faith to be persistent. If nobody wants prayer, check again. (laughs) There you go. I wanted to get on you today. That's awesome. I just wanted to share real quick. um, This is a big deal to me. You said, Dave, when we were praying for my headaches, because I I fight, I'm going to say that, I fight migraines. They're not mine, but I fight against them, and I fight against them more than I should. Anyway. Last night, Judah came in the bedroom, and he had mentioned he had kind of had a headache, but they were playing so hard yesterday, and I thought, you probably just need to rest, dude. So he comes in later, oh, my mom, oh, mom, my heart, it hurts, oh, my gosh. So I'm like, okay, we'll put this essential oil on and put it right here. And he said, well, I was actually just going to ask you to pray for me. And I thought, oh, that's better. Let's start there. Totally, totally. Gold star, mom. Anyway, um, it was just his, his childlike faith of expectation, like, you should pray for me first before we even put oils on. Hello? Yes, right, the faith of a child. So we prayed for him, and his headache let up just a little bit, and he was just resting his head in my hands. And I said, how do you feel? And he said, I feel like it's like a little bit better. I said, all right, let's go again. We prayed some more, and was trying to command the, the sinus pressure to leave and the pain to go, and for God to make himself real to his son and capture his heart because you can never unknow the healing touch of God. And so I said, okay, how do you feel? I feel better. All right, we're going after it because he said it's almost gone, but it's still hanging on. Sit down, let's go. So we went after it again and we just, it's not just name it and claim it, but it's like declaring the healing power of God in my son's life and in my son's head because the, even just the headaches in our household, it's like, no, no more. So then he said, it's gone, mama. And he got a little bit emotional because it was like the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords just came down and touched your headache. Now that may be small, small potatoes to God, but it's big potatoes to me. It's big potatoes to my boy because... His God came and proved himself faithful. And it was through the faith and persistence that that headache was driven out after three tries. Next time, hopefully only two and maybe even one. That's my goal. But it's like, I want to kick the enemy's butt right out the door, out of my house. He has no authority in my child, no authority in my head, in my life. And so I'm a little fired up because the atmosphere of faith That's twice in our home that a headache is left. And I know it's not broken legs, but come on. I'm ready for it to be more. I want it to be more. So that's it. We were singing it today. All sin and sickness bows to the name of Jesus. So why don't you guys go ahead and start praying for her. And I'm going to say if anyone else wants healing prayer or if you. So this is what Jesus paid for. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, to bring healing for your disease or your sickness, and to bring freedom or deliverance. So if you feel like there's just crud that the devil has put on top of you and you just can't break it off, then come up and we can just, we'll just snap that stuff off, chip the barnacles off. Is that what it was? Marilyn was saying, uh, yeah, we watched, a, we had a little inner healing uh, training going on at our house. I forgot to do the, the, the announcements this morning. Um, and by the way, if anyone wants to join us in this coming Friday, we will be doing session two. But, you know, we've learned that you just sometimes need to brush someone off. You just need to break off 
the stuff that the devil puts on people. Maybe we invite it in. Maybe it just gets on us. Whatever. You know, sometimes we just we just need to break it off. And and uh, and sometimes, you know, there's we we learn the difference of um, captives and prisoners. So sometimes the devil tries to get a foothold and he tries to get you captive, and we just need to break that off. Sometimes the captivity can linger so long that we can actually become prisoners. And a prisoner is basically when we are locked in that room that God has put us in because we have chosen to not forgive. So if, if you need to forgive somebody this morning, if you need help getting out of feeling stuck, we'd like to pray with you as well. Sometimes the key is just to pray and ask God to help you forgive a person that you need to forgive. And if there is anyone, you could even ask God now. If you feel like there's someone maybe you need to forgive, but you're not sure, just ask him, Father, is there anyone I need to forgive? He will bring the person right to your mind. That's the beginning of getting the freedom 